Welcome to the BioNexus Health Podcast with Dr. Jodie A. Darshaw, who holds a PhD in Integrative Medicine, is board certified in Integrative Pediatrics, an internationally recognized pioneering clinician, and author. And now here's your host of BioNexus Health Podcast, Dr. Jodie A. Dashaw. Oh, welcome back to BioNexus Health Podcast Series, Autism Approved. Today's topic is a hot topic. I wanted to discuss one at a time the top five reasons why your child may not be improving, either not improving at all or improving at a, a really slow rate or you know might have completely plateaued. So um, let's begin with the first point, shall we? The most important point to consider would be exposure. Now, exposure of any sort of triggers. In uh, my practice, as um, you know, most of you know, uh, children with autism spectrum disorders have many, often serious underlying medical issues like biotoxin illness, uh, Lyme disease, co-infections, various toxins like glyphosate, um, mycotoxins, etc. Right, several you know pollution, industrial toxins as well at pretty high levels. Now, so there already has been exposure. That's what we discover in the labs, and then you know we formulate a customized protocol for the children to help them slowly detoxify, to slowly. Um, you know, kill off the infections, always using an, an all-natural plant-based herbal approach, right? Now, many of you tell me that uh, my child is uh, not improving like some of the children that have been featured in the Autism Approved podcast. Or you may say, you know, in the beginning, we saw dramatic improvements, but then the child has plateaued. So these, these are some of the things that I hear from you. So the biggest reason, as I said, is re-exposure, right? So let's talk a little bit about exposure. Um, if there is a child, like I have uh, several children, a uh, recent follow-up just happened and the, the one that comes in mind is uh, one little boy in um, Australia, in a, in a small town in Australia, and uh, the house is, I spoke with mom, and, you know, mom has always been upfront and uh, quite knowledgeable, and she mentioned that, unfortunately, due to the pandemic situation and the, uh, the housing market being really wild, I think the housing market has been wild uh, all over the world, you know, here in the United States as well, you know, rental as well as um, buying properties has been quite a nightmare for uh, most people, right? So because of those issues, she has been unable to move from their moldy apartment. Um, actually, it's, it's, um, it's a, uh, a rental townhome, right? So there's no point investing thousands of dollars in remediation, et cetera. So in the beginning, it made sense because the child has been on protocol for, you know, at least six to eight months now. Uh, but now, you know, 
due to the continuing housing market situation in Australia, they, they still have been unable to afford to move. Now, while that's understandable, it is very important that the parent understands, and I know they do because, you know, we, we, we actually discussed that in depth, that you understand that as long as there is continuous exposure to mold, mycotoxins, and remember, when you're living in a water damaged building, there are, you know, it's known as the dirty, dirty, dirty. So there are 30 microorganisms that also flourish in a water damaged, moist environment. There's a lot of research studies that have been done, you know, and again, survivingmold.com is a great website where you can get a lot of data and scientific information. Uh, and that is what causes the complication. So there is a lot of exposure. It's not just to mold mycotoxins, but you know, streptomyces, actinomycetes. Um, there is volatile organic compounds. There is um, microbial chitinases, et cetera, that get released into the environment that is contaminated with the moisture, water damage, and mold. So that is just one example. However, with this child, the reason why I'm discussing, uh, you know, this child in Australia is because he is doing remarkably well. Language has come in, right? Camino, he's speaking more words. He's speaking the words appropriately in context, is able to ask for what he wants now. Um, academics have been good. You know, when, when a teacher start reporting that uh, uh, your, your child is doing well, you know that this is coming from an objective third person point of view. And, you know, it's, it's um, so heartwarming for uh, a mom or a dad, of course, to hear something positive about their child. So I've, I've you know, I've heard this so many times uh, from parents that, oh my gosh, you know, a teacher said that uh, he's doing well, you know, I'm, I'm finally getting good reports instead of, you know, like daily reports of, uh, of trouble. But that's, uh, in fact, one of the moms I recently spoke to mentioned that it's just a few days ago. So that's how that comes to mind as well. But yeah, so this child in Australia is doing well overall so far. So now you might ask, how is that possible, right? How is it possible that the child is making strides even with continuous exposure? That all boils down to genetics, okay? If you look at my lectures, my PowerPoints, I speak about the, uh, you know, and, uh, and various talks that I've, I've given at various conferences around the world, you will see that I talk about the importance of genetics, the HLA-DR, the human leukocyte antigenetic um, material that we have in, in our body, the, the, uh, the HLA-DR. That is an important test, which is available in the United States. And I believe, um, not I believe, I know it's also available in the UK now that can be ordered, which will determine if you have a genetic susceptibility 
to mold mycotoxins, Lyme disease, co-infections, multi-susceptibility as well. Now, in the absence of this kind of, you know, recent highly advanced testing in many countries, I mean, it's only available in two countries as far as I know, uh, perhaps it is available in Australia, I'm not sure, I'll, uh, but, you know, to the best of knowledge, it's not, not yet. So in the absence of that kind of testing, the way to determine clinically if you have a genetic predisposition to mold is like, you know, this kid in Australia. So he probably does not have a genetic predisposition. And um, because he is being treated quite aggressively and he's responding really well to the treatment, you know, um, um, one of the main reasons for that is mom knows how to handle the die-off reactions. She doesn't panic when there is die-off. She understands that, you know, die-off reactions are good news. It's, it's, a, it's actually a, a good sign that you're seeing die-off reactions. You know, what does it mean? It means that um, the protocol is on the right track, right? So you, you would want to see uh, some sort of die-off. So it gives, gives you a um, clinical indication that the bacterial infections, the co-infections are what? Dying off. So that, that's how it's a good news. And if you're able to handle die-off reactions without panicking, you know, if you are able to understand that, hey, you know, this is part of the child getting better, I may have to keep him home from school for a day or two, right? I may have to prioritize the child 100% over everything else because right now this is the initial treatment phase. So with that kind of uh, understanding, compassionate and positive mindset, that's when, you know, aggressive protocols are, uh, are possible to be created for that particular child. Now, I say created because as you know, uh, all of BioNexus protocols are completely customized to the child. That's where the magic is, you know, that's where the most scientific application happens for best clinical outcomes. You need to look at the genetics. And there are um, many genetics that are available as tests worldwide, right? You know, your uh, nutrigenomics, the uh, methylation pathways, the detoxification pathways, anxiety pathways, your, you know, sulfuration, uh, glucuronidation, these pathways are available uh, to be tested as, uh, as indi uh, individual genetics in most countries nowadays. So that individual, uh, individualization does happen with, with um, every patient that we see here at BioNexus Health, all right? So this was just one example uh, of um, exposure, like living in mold, all right? Now let's look at the flip side. So this child, as I said, does not have a predisposition. So the progress keeps happening. This child in Australia that I've been speaking about so far, right? But keep in mind, there is going to come a point where the input of toxins 
is going to far outweigh the reach of the protocol that he is on. I made mom aware of that as well. All right. Now there are only certain dosages, even if we are being aggressive, right, in, in, the, uh, in the treatment, there are only certain strengths and certain dosages that can be used for a child of, you know, five years old. I cannot be aggressive and give him adult dosages just because there is continuous exposure. So that has to be kept in mind. Um, mom has acquired land, you know, family has acquired land, and I believe they do have an architect and builder ready to go. So they will be building soon and they will be moving into a mold-free house. You know, the house is being built um, upon my advice in conjunction with an environmental consultant. So, you know, you don't end up uh, with mold again because mold can hide in, in many places. And, you know, uh, sometimes builders are not mostly most builders are not aware that um, um, wood, right, which has been left out, it might have rained so that that wood might, even if the wood has visible mold, it is not considered to be a threat just because of lack of awareness. So having an environmental consultant, another example would be if you are building with stucco, right, not all kinds of stucco material is, uh, is mold free. So being able to build with stucco appropriately. So there's proper ventilation, the house is breathing, etc. you know, uh, being able to deal with appropriate heating and cooling systems. So there is no excessive condensation, etc. So you need an environmental, certified environmental professional on your side to be able to help you when you are, when it's a new build, right? So keep that in mind. All right, so uh, that was about this child who does not seem to have a genetic predisposition. Now, many children do have a genetic predisposition. Many children actually have a double whammy, one from their mom's side, one from their dad's side. So they may have a double moldy genetic predisposition. You can have one dreaded and one mold genetic predisposition along with now remember, this is just for mold, mycotoxins, and co-infections. Along with that, you may have a child who additionally has uh, detoxification challenges, MTHFR mutations, methylation, sulfuration, as in you know, um, CBS um, mutations or polymorphisms, as they are known as. So, so there could also be um, liver detoxification pathway issues. So there are multiple factors that go into each child, right? That's why they say, you know, it's, it's a complete spectrum, a rainbow. Every child is an individual, even amongst twins, triplets, and multiples. I have triplets in my practice. Each one has their own protocol and each one is responding differently. Uh, I have twins, many, many twins in my practice from many different countries and each one has their own protocol. And yes, they all respond um, you know, in their own way. So it's important to keep that in mind. Now, what happens with these children? The children that have the genetic predisposition that are being exposed. Two things can happen. One, in the beginning, 
you will see really good improvement because this is the first time anything at all is being done to detoxify and uh, get rid of the infections and toxins, correct? So for infections, of course, you know, we use detox and antimicrobials to kill off the infections. But um, overall, for all different kinds of toxins, detoxification, you know, supporting the detox organs, binding toxins, giving them adequate um, nutritional support, right? Looking at nutritional deficiencies, looking at how to build the immune system. Now, when this is being done for the first time, boom, you know, you'll have a child's body respond fantastic. So um, as, as an autism parent, you're going to be really encouraged. You're now seeing the actual potential of your child. You know, somebody, uh, somebody, you know, gave them a, a, a lifetime label of autism. And now you're seeing that, you know, there's hope the true potential, the true personality of your child begins to emerge. And, you know, everyone's happy and everyone's encouraged, empowered. What happens then? You get air purifiers, great. Okay, you do the wipe down, clean up, great. However, have you looked at the source of mold in your house? Where is the source? If you haven't, and that source is continuously spewing mycotoxins into the air, then you will ultimately come to a plateau, right? And sometimes if the exposure supersedes the amount of detoxification that is being done for the child, then you will see regression, okay? So that is something you need to remember. No amount of air purifiers, those are great. That's the first step, you know, boom. As soon as you do your mold testing or, you know, if you don't have um, the mold testing or facility uh, available in your country, then yes. And if you know that there is mold, you know, it's visible um, in some countries during the rainy season, it becomes visible. It's, uh, you know, it's quite toxic and obnoxious and, and the wall gets black, you know, it gets wet, etc. There's water seepage. And then um, following the rainy season, you know, it's like super hot. So all of that, you know, uh, sort of is masked. Just remember, mold is a living thing. It doesn't just disappear. Okay, it may stop growing. So you may not see any obvious signs of mold. Sorry, you may not see any obvious signs of mold growth, but it's there. So especially if there is food, okay? So if there is a drywall, if there is plaster, um, if there is paint, if there is, you know, anything that can be considered as food that the mold can grow on, insulation, right? Um, fiberglass, foam, all of these wood, if the building is made of wood, so, you know, um, um, a wood frame building is, um, is, is very common in many countries around the world. So all of these things, um, fibers from the fabric, your dryer, 
Okay, if your dryer is is um, venting into, if there is a leak, and if your dryer is venting the hot air into your building envelope, then fibers from clothes will be going into your building envelope. That very often happens. And, uh, you know, more often than not, you know, it's not something that a regular person would, would ever think about, right? But um, all kinds of ductwork, all kinds of pipes behind the scenes, behind the walls have to be considered as well, just because there is no visible mold. That is why an appropriately educated and state certified inspector, environmental inspector, mold inspector, is uh, what is needed to ascertain where the source is, isolate the source and remediate your house, all right? That is the reason for plateauing. That is the reason for regression when initially you saw a really positive response. Make sense, right? Okay, now let's go to a um, couple other scenarios for exposure, right? So a couple other scenarios for exposure would be um, travel, right? If you are not able to suspend your travel for a couple of years, I, I remember with, um, with my family, you know, there were two things. In the beginning, we, were, we really had to travel because um, I did not have the BioNexus protocol then, right? I, I was still learning and uh, educating myself and slowly developing it uh, with experience with my son. So we had to travel to so many different countries around the world, you know, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, um, UK, India. We uh, almost traveled to um, South America as well. But it was, you know, for FMT, and then we actually found someone right here in uh, in Florida. You know, God bless Dr. Shepard. But uh, we traveled to about fifteen different states in the U.S. itself, and uh, we also had to travel to Canada. So it was we didn't have a choice. There was no choice in order to try and help my son. We were trying to save his life, pretty much, as most of you know. So, so what we did was the best we could, you know, we took all, um, all detox precautions, all EMF precautions, you know, we had, um, when we traveled by plane or by car, it was easier because, you know, it, it was easy to take all, all the medicines and supplements with us. By plane, we did the same, but in the carry-on baggage, you can only take so much. So I made sure, you know, we had one antimicrobial uh, we had uh, minerals, uh, electrolytes, and, and magnesium in, in one little vial that, that was allowed uh, in the carry-on. You know, we had nasal protection. Um, I, uh, I made sure, you know, I had wipes. I mean, this, you know, um, it sounds like COVID precautions, doesn't it? But we have been doing that since 2009. It was just, you know, the kind of crazy immune suppression that comes about with PANS, PANDAS, Lyme disease, co-infections, that all of these precautions have to be undertaken in order to make sure that my son doesn't acquire anything new because uh, traveling on an airplane 
oh my gosh, you come, I think, I remember reading somewhere, I'm sure, you know, you, uh, most of you can just, just, you know, Google it as well, 200 plus viruses and bacteria and microorganisms that one comes in contact with. Now we have been wearing masks since 2009. So, you know, for us, masking did not come as a, you know, as, as something new or shocking or, you know, um, masking, uh, social isolation, right? Social distancing. Uh, with Brian, we've been doing it for so many years, over a decade. So, um, anyways, uh, so that was about travel, right? Traveling. Now, one other thing about traveling is hotel rooms. I've, um, I, I remember a patient of mine in Florida. He's doing remarkably well. His mom did a, um, a podcast as well. Now he went from being bedridden to being able to, you know, go back to being an athlete. And of course, you know, he wants to do everything that his, uh, his uh, friends and teammates are doing. So one of that is a travel soccer and travel golfing. So when you're doing travel soccer, travel golfing, you have to travel to, you know, different parts of the state, depending on where the away game is. And you live in hotels, you stay in hotels for at least one night. Um, one of the flare ups happened in a moldy hotel room. Uh, I, I, I have another podcast, uh, you know, speaking about where to look for mold, etc. So I won't go into a whole lot of detail. But again, you know, living in a friend's house, living in a relative's house, living in a hotel room, there can be exposure. Now, remember, not just mold, like I said, there are other microorganisms that live in a water damaged environment. Most hotels are carpeted, right? So here in the U.S., there are um, some resources available that look at the hotels that are newer. Now, if a hotel is newer, then the, the major risk there, you know, you would hope that it really wouldn't be a water damage if it's that new, but it will have the VOCs, the volatile organic compounds, right? Uh, bottom line for me, I always take, you know, again, I, I used to travel before COVID. I'm going to start that again, you know, uh, um, speaking in person at conferences. So far, the last couple of years, I've been speaking, um, I've been speaking virtually at um, conferences, but, you know, it's going to start in person again soon. So um, two air purifiers, I always take one for the bathroom, one for the, the main room always stay in, in a single room, small room, so, you know, uh, the, the air purifier can do its job. Um, I'll, I'll talk about hotel precautions in, in another video, but uh, I, I need to end this re-exposure video in, in the next five minutes. So let, let's go to the other uh, possibilities, possibilities of exposure, <laughs> sorry. Okay, so school. School can be, my goodness, a cesspool of problems. You can have, you know, special needs classrooms, children, um, many parents are unaware of immune suppression, pants, pandas, you know, they might send uh, their children uh, back to school just because there's no fever. Many children that are heavily infected with uh, many triggers for pants, pandas don't get fevers. That is one of the hallmarks. 
but you know unfortunately because of uh, lack of awareness that isn't known and you know your child may get exposed to someone who is um, who has strep or mycoplasma or staph marcons uh, especially if the child is in a special needs classroom right regular classrooms as well of course you know there there's always um, sickness and germs in any school so that's that's one place um, if you are in a special needs classroom there is extra exposure typically school can also be water damaged right then moving on to you know what actually let me touch base on school a little bit more. So there are um, some parents, including myself, in that we've had really good uh, results with ourselves supplying air purifiers for the school. Okay, so at, you know, uh, most schools welcome it. If you make it part of the medical plan for your child, in the United States, it's known as IEPs or Individualized Education Plan. Uh, it is, also, there's another plan called as, you know, the US 504 plan, which is a medical based accommodation plan, you know, where um, uh, for both the plans, IEPs and 504 plans, uh, a school education team, like education medical team meets together, you know, for all the way from the teachers to the principals, to the nurse, to the school nurse, to the guidance counselors, we meet up and we discuss accommodations for this particular child. And one of the things that we did was we were able to get um, uh, a doctor's note from uh, Brian's allergist. And uh, based on those allergies, you know, we said, honestly, most people will not understand if you sit and explain, you know, oh my goodness, there's genetic predisposition. And we have the HLA-DR and, you know, we have chronic inflammatory response syndrome, biotoxin illness. It's like, whoo, it won't work. So what we did was we went with severe life-threatening allergies. Now, you know, um, severe life-threatening peanut allergies, tree nut allergies, or to various other kinds of uh, ingestibles like foods, um, and sometimes even, even in environmental things like bee stings, you know, um, people can have anaphylactic reactions. So the public, aware, uh, public awareness of those is much higher, isn't it? So when you go from that approach that, hey, you know, uh, there is life-threatening allergies, that wakes people up like, you know, boom. Oh, you know, I don't want to be responsible for this child going into an, any kind of anaphylactic reaction. And I had mentioned, you know, different things like motor takes happen, seizures can happen for Brian. Of course, anaphylaxis can happen as well. So you, you, you kind of put that out there um, and most of the accommodations were approved. You know, we had uh, a doctor's notes if, if requested, um, but, most of the disability was quite obvious for Brian. You know, the physical disability was obvious. Um, the cognitive disability, the language, et cetera, the growth problems, you know, um, all of those were, were pretty obvious. For most of our kids, it is, isn't it? Um, so the, the team was sympathetic and we had accommodations. One of the accommodations was, uh, you know, if you want me to talk more about accommodations, I can send me messages. Right. Many of you send questions uh, um, 
and I um, I like to slowly make podcasts uh, when I have some time, right, and answer those questions for you. And yes, the top five reasons why your child is not improving is also one of the questions that that keep coming. Um, all right, so air purifiers. Back on point. Sorry, I I, I end up taking a couple of detours because it's, it's just vast experience, right? It's life experience. And so many, like way over a decade of um, professional experience as well. You know, it's, it's almost a couple of decades now. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm getting old. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. You know, aging gracefully, I think. Anyways. Um, all right. So we had air purifiers in every classroom for Brian. And I've seen this uh, give good results for um, all the parents that have instituted this practice at their child's school as well. So that's, that's one uh, tip for the school, okay? Right, now other sources of exposure, check your car. If it's ever been water damaged, okay? If, you know, sometimes when you turn the AC on, Sometimes when you turn on the heater, you can get that musty smell. It's usually because the cabin filter and the air filter have not been changed. Get those changed at the next service appointment. Just a tip. If the car is water damaged, get rid of it. New cars are a huge no. All right. There's a reason for that. It's volatile organic compounds, off-gassing. Okay. There is uh, PFOBs, right? Uh, PFOA, uh, PTFEs. You know there are a lot of flame retardant outgassings that that come that that constitute the the new car smell. Like really, ew. But um, you know it can it can give you a high. It can produce severe regression in uh, children with pans pandas autism spectrum disorders, et cetera. So especially even kids with just, you know, um, ADHD, it's uh, very important that you avoid anything new, new furniture, new car, same thing. You know, it's the outgassing from, um, from, from fabric, from the leather, uh, from the treatments that are done. So a used car, yes, carefully examined for water damage, not a completely old, you know, uh, dingy used car. No, the used cars that you get are usually, uh, you know, it could be fleet cars from like rental fleets. So they don't have very high mileage. So uh, that's what we do. That's what I've done as well. Uh, so that eliminates, you know, and then remember, you have to tell them not to spray and not to clean the car and that you will do that, you know, because if you're expecting delivery of a, uh, you know, car that looks banking new, even though it's used, you know what they are doing for you? They are spraying with sprays that are um, designed to smell like a new car smell. So, hey, you know, I mean, you're back to square one. So remember to do your own cleaning. You know, you can ozonify your car, you can put in air purifiers for a couple nights. You can, you know, bake and wipe. So there are strategies which can be used to detoxify a car. Again, if you want me to talk more about it, send messages 
and I will, I'll, I'll make a brief uh, video on that, okay? Next, whatever applies to the car, everything I just said applies to the school bus, okay? So exposure on the school bus is huge. For example, in cold climates or even where it rains, I mean, it rains everywhere in the world, doesn't it? Most school buses that I've seen uh, are carpeted. Then you have children coming in with wet feet and boots and not feet, obviously, sneakers and boots and um, backpacks, you know, dripping water all, all over that carpet. And then the windows are shut. And if it is, um, if it is the um, if it is the winter season, if it's cold out, it's snowing, then then you have the heat on. So what happens? It's a greenhouse effect. The mold grows. There's moisture. There's warmth. There's continuous source of moisture every single day. You know the windows are closed. There's no ventilation. So if there's no ventilation mold will grow, unfortunately. So when, and remember where mold grows, organisms grow. So mycoplasma, streptomyces, et cetera, you know, and then of course, you know, being exposed to other children at close proximity on the bus, that's another thing to consider. So uh, it, you know, there is a lot of factors to consider. The one thing that I would like for you to understand that this is a pretty strong commitment to getting your child better. So it's important to understand all of these reasons. You know, if you're expecting to start the Bionexus protocol and la di da, everything will just fall into place. You know, it's a magic pill. It's not. A lot of responsibility on your part as a parent is needed. Education, awareness, Please be aware of all of these reasons. Um, the first one I'm talking about today is exposure, all right? So um, I have to end the video now and um, I will discuss the other reasons. Remember, we are discussing top five reasons that your child is not improving, okay? That your autistic child is not improving. So I will see you next time. Until then, I hope this has been helpful. Please listen to it a, a couple times, right? It's it's hard, I know, but you know, autism recovery isn't easy. Everyone will tell you it cannot be done, right? There's no cure. I agree. I always say that there's no cure, but recovery of symptoms is entirely possible when you dig deep, when you customize a protocol for a child, okay, and when you do an herbal protocol, a plant-based protocol, usually regression will not be seen. Plateau can be seen, of course, you know, when the body is resting, but regression and lack of improvement is usually not seen if you can keep your child in a safe zone, not in a bubble. You don't have to keep the child in a bubble, but you have to be aware of where the exposure is. Do your best to minimize it, at home, it is very much possible to eliminate all exposure, okay? You don't have to, you know, go into social isolation, go in a bubble and, oh my God, we can't do anything. We can't go anywhere. Uh, we can't go anywhere. But 
do everything within reason. Prioritize the child's recovery versus, you know, oh, no, we, we need to go on vacations. We need to, please give it a couple years. And you will, you know, reap the rewards for the rest of the child's life. Anyways, this is my opinion. This has been my experience, personal and professional. That's where I see the best result. 100% committed parents is where I see the best results. But um, again, you know, it's a spectrum, not just for the children, also for the parents. There is um, all kinds of difficulties, challenges, um, family pressures that, that we have to deal with, you know, um, Many parents, both mom and dad work. It's not possible for them to handle any kind of die-off reaction. Many look forward to that eight o'clock school bus coming, you know, so the child can uh, go to school, get some socialization, mom can get a break. So there's various factors to consider. So please don't lose patience. All right. I will talk to you later. I'll see you next time. Until then, be well. Namaste. Thank you for joining Master Herbalist Dr. Jody A. Dashaw, Director of the BioNexus Health Clinic and BioNexus Herbals, on the BioNexus Health Podcast, where we explore and share information and stories about recovering and healing from chronic and environmental illnesses such as mold biotoxin illness, Lyme disease, autism spectrum disorder, fatigue, Crohn's and colitis, mast cell activation syndrome, PANS, and more. Please help us grow our message by subscribing to our podcast channel and sharing the podcast on your social networks. For more information visit bionexushealth.com. Information within this video, audio, or text, collectively known as the podcast, has not been reviewed by the FDA. Nothing within the podcast is intended as or should be construed as medical advice. Information is for general informational and educational purposes only. Consumers of the podcast should consult with their healthcare practitioners for medical recommendations. Seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider. Do not disregard the advice of a healthcare provider based on any information from the podcast. The information within the podcast may contain information concerning dietary supplements or over-the-counter products that are not drugged. Our dietary supplement products are not intended for use as a means to cure, treat, prevent, diagnose, or mitigate any disease or other medical or abnormal condition.